Welcome to Scale School, my friends. I'm Dan Bolton, and my purpose here is simple. I wanna help you increase the scalability of your coaching or consulting business so as it gets bigger, life gets better. Here we will be talking everything from getting clients, keeping clients, teams, leadership, but most importantly, making scaling simple and fun again. Thanks so much for tuning in and I hope you get a ton out of today's episode. What's up beautiful humans, Dan here. Today, I'm gonna be sharing why I'm not a millionaire yet despite making almost $7 million online. And this is inspired by a conversation I had with uh, someone who follows me on Instagram and watches these videos, shout out Lauren Best. Uh, she messaged me and she said this, I've got the actual conversation here. She said, I would love to hear from you on YouTube what your actual friction points and challenges are. I know that your, your better model is all positive and you've shared what didn't work in the past, but I'm left wondering what's hard for this guy right now? Maybe you're not comfortable with sharing that because it's nicer to share challenges when there's also a solution to them, but maybe you could just dive into a bit more about what's going on for you right now. And I thought that was a great question. And that's exactly what I'm gonna do in this video, but rather than making it some kind of weird, like, dear diary, you know, I struggle with all these different things, I wanna pull out the lessons. But I do unequivocally wanna share things that I am like, unresolved in, things that I'm struggling with, uh, and then I'm gonna share a few of them and then culminate with the why I'm not a millionaire yet. So I got some notes, and I got a coffee, cheers. And it's just me and you, there's no one else here. It's just me talking to you. So the first one that's really interesting to me is uh, around mentorship. So backstory for me, I grew up in a single mother household. Uh, I have developed a better relationship with my dad in the early, uh, sorry, later years of my life. In the earlier years of my life, we had a very strained relationship and for many years it was just completely absent. And for many guys, uh, I know this is a pain point where we just have you know, what people joke about is like dad issues, right? And so for me, uh, you know, my dad was alive, but not around. And so that just left me, even when I was young, just kind of seeking kind of male affirmation and, and kind of male mentorship. And the beautiful thing about that is that led me down a lot of really beautiful paths. I have so many mentors uh, to thank for both kind of the shape of my character, who I've become today, my spiritual development, and then of course the business aspect. And one of the things that's been really interesting to me is how even after all of the work that I've, I've been doing over the last few years on kind of my internal world, dealing with past hurts and traumas and things like that, becoming more self-aware of what people would call like triggers or negative patterns, there are still things that catch me off guard. And so this is a very honest and vulnerable uh, kind of share. Last night, I was literally sitting down wondering if I should reach out to Alex Hormozzi and get his help from acquisition.com. And I love Alex. For many of you don't know this, maybe some of you do, I actually had the chance to work with acquisition.com as the second ever company uh, that they worked with. I won't go into all the details right now, but basically it right then wasn't a fit. And at that point, we both left an open loop, which was, you know, once I, I get to like X amount of business and am ready, then let's reconnect and let's talk. And so it's left this open loop for me that even as time has gone on, I've become much clearer on the type of business that I'm, I'm building. And as much as I love Alex and I love Layla, and I truly mean that with all of my heart, we're very different people that have different values and like we would wanna build different businesses. But yesterday, literally yesterday, I'm sitting there going, man, I mean, I've got this business right now and it's, it's making a lot of money and I think they would wanna work with me and, and maybe I should reach back out to them and kind of like see if that would be a fit. And then the other part of my brain is like, 
but damn, you're like, you're really clear on what you want to build and it's probably not what they want to build. Like, why would you do that? And I just kept going around in circles about how awesome it would be to work with Alex again and, and then subconsciously go like, have him go like, Dan's the man. Dan's crushing it. Like I'm helping Dan grow his business and like he's being proud of me. Now, this is so stupid, but this is literally the stuff that I deal with even after all of these different years of working through different things. And one of the things that's, that's come up time and again is I've entered into mentorship relationships out of a place of insecurity rather than confidence. Like I'm like literally looking for like a dad figure, an older brother figure to come alongside me to be like, you're proud of you, Dan. You're <laughs> trying to do like the, the head on the, on the, the hands on the head uh, symbol. <laughs> I'm proud of you, Dan. And it's funny because I just want to share that as a real vulnerability that like this is something that I've had to become really aware of in my business. And it's also what led me down the path to create businesses that I wasn't proud of. I was so focused on getting the likes of a Sam Ovens or an Alex Omozi or a Taki Moore, like people that I've really looked up to and love and have gotten to know as friends over the years. So much of the decisions I was making was trying to create the business that they would be proud of rather than one that I'd be proud of. But this is literally something that like I'm aware of, I'm working through, and I have to be so careful around because I realize that it can lead me down paths that I shouldn't go down and it can ultimately help me create a business that like I really don't enjoy because it's not for me. But that's a pretty random place to start. But that is like one of the first key areas that I currently struggle with and I'm currently working through. Number two is courage. Now, I really don't know how people perceive me around risk taking and courage and things like that. I know probably to the average normal person who's stuck in a nine to five, who wants to step out on their own and do something online, I probably look like an incredibly courageous person because that part for me was not hard. Like I finished up as a youth pastor, I didn't even try and get a job, I wanted to give this online game a shot. And there have been so many decisions along the way that absolutely have required courage. But one of the things that I have struggled with a lot of the path that I've walked in business is this tendency to play it safe. Like I'm actually really terrified about failing. And when I say failing, I don't mean like running out of money, that that would probably be ultimate failure for a lot of people. For me, that doesn't feel that scary. Like I, I resonate with Gary Vee when he talks about like, you know, I think he has this joke where he's just like, I would just love to lose it all one day and then end up in an apartment and it's just like an apartment and a cockroach. And we're just like, it's just me and you cockroach, we're gonna rebuild this thing together. And like, I resonate with that, I, I love that. But one of the things that I find really challenging is um, risking kind of ruining my reputation, like that I could do something, that I could step out and make a big move that would somehow hurt people unintentionally. Now, of course, courageous moves don't require you to hurt people, but I understand that that might be a risk or that people just misunderstand me, that there'd be a disconnect between my intentions and how people view my actions. And that's led me to like play really safe. Like right now, I feel like I am stuck in first gear. And I'm really, really happy with the progress that I'm making. You know, I'm on track this year, um, if things keep going the way that they are, to do a million dollars in profit. And that's insane. And I'm, I'm, even as I say that, insanely grateful. If that's my peak in life, amazing, right? But I have the sense that I'm like way below my potential and that like, I've got way more in the tank. But I'm stuck in first gear because I'm so scared around what second and third gear and fourth gear will feel like to me, to my family, and not that it would just bring about some level of pain for us, but that it would bring about risk, right? That, that working with more people and taking on more clients is assuming more responsibility. Working with bigger, higher level clients charging more amounts of money is just bigger amounts of responsibility. And there's a big part of me that's just wanted to keep playing it safe. And I realized that one of the limiting factors for me 
in this season is actually learning to live with courage in every area of my life, to say what I feel like needs to be said, to make the moves that I feel like that need to be made, and to ultimately launch into the opportunities and take a hold of the different things that I, I feel like are there for me in this season with full courage. And courage doesn't mean I'm confident it's gonna go well. Courage means despite all the risks, I'm gonna give it my best shot. I've been uh, really mulling that over because that's an area of my life that again, despite um, other people maybe looking at me and thinking that, that I might be courageous, uh, I think I have lots of moments of courage. I think courage as a virtue is something that I'm trying to build. Number three, I uh, hope you guys are following along with Coffee with Dan and Confessions. Confessions and Coffee with Dan, let's call it that. Number three, pacing and goals and timeframes. This is something that I continually challenged by. I continue to be challenged by this area of knowing how to set the right timeframes around goals. Now, that might sound like really silly. You're just like, oh, you know, is it in six months or is it in 12 months? But let me break it down. If let's say I'm on a health journey, right? If I try and lose all of the weight that I wanna lose in the next 16 weeks, all I know is that even if I get there in 16 weeks, the next 16 weeks are going to be intense. I cannot make a wrong move. I cannot skip a workout. I need to eat every meal as prescribed, no deviations, no delicious food on the side, because the time frame has constrained it to such where I need to unwavering focus and attention over that period to achieve the big goal in the short amount of time. So when I think about my business and I think about where I'm at and I'm on pace for a million in profit, which is exciting, I'm really enjoying business, I feel like I've got the capacity to hit three million in profit with this current business model. But I start to get anxiety when I think about trying to push it there in six months. Am I capable of it? Maybe. But one of the things that becomes so freeing is when you extend your time horizon and you think, okay, if I'm gonna hit three million, what if it takes me three years? Like, am I really gonna be that disappointed? Probably not. And this lesson around pacing has just been a big one because I create stress in my life all the time by bringing big goals and trying to fit them into short time frames. And then all of a sudden I'm like anxious and overwhelmed and I don't need to be, my business isn't set up in that way, but it's because I don't know how to pace myself. Also a big part of this is that I was just so used to living off stress and adrenaline for so long that living in peace and freedom and flow is really unfamiliar to me. And so. Whenever I'm in consistent like, you know, periods of like ease and flow, I sometimes just wanna like screw things up <laughs> to create a sense of chaos, to get an injection of adrenaline. And this was true even when I used to preach at church. I used to, this is, this is no word of a lie. Throughout the week, I really couldn't find the time. It was a priority thing for me, but I was just like, couldn't really find the time to create messages. I had a lot of responsibilities, that did not include figuring out what I was gonna preach about on Sunday. And so this is what I would do. Sunday morning rolls around, my alarm would go off at 3 a.m. I had five hours till I had to be at church and then be on stage preaching, sometimes one, two, three services. And there was something about that that as terrible as it was, as anxiety inducing as it was, completely worked for me in that season. And that just goes to show how much of an area this is for me to work on. Like. Even today, I'm recording curriculum that is being released tomorrow. And so I never do this, but at the moment, I'm having to like work tonight and work all through today, and it's like intense, but it's because I'm not getting the pacing right. Like I'm launching something that I decided to launch 10 days ago. I've now got 20 clients in, and uh, the pacing's off. So this is another big lesson for me, and just one I thought I'd share is it might be one for you too. Sometimes the easiest way to um, hit your goals more confidently and do it in such a way that is less stressful is just extending the time horizon and allowing yourself to pace well, right? 
you run differently if you're running a marathon versus you were sprinting a sprint. And so you need to figure out that metaphor and what it looks like for you in business and then pace accordingly. Number four, energy. So this is a really uh, vulnerable one for me, not one that I feel uncomfortable sharing. It's just like I'm in the midst of it. So I'm on a health journey. The last few years, I really did not take care of myself. And in the last six months, I'm pleased to say I've gone from really overweight to just overweight. <laughs> but in that process, um, it's been a really challenging one because a lot of my health has affected the way that I work in business. Like there are just days where, and whether it's, uh, you know, I know there's hormonal health and things like that. I've got a doctor in my corner and there's all sorts of those things I'm uncovering. But basically my desire to work and my capacity to work are unmatched right now. I have a really big desire to work and a lower capacity to work. In this season, I would actually like to work more than I am, but I just don't have the capacity for it. Like my brain gets fried faster, my ability to stay focused, my ability to bring my best to as many videos as I want, to as many coaching calls as I want, is not there. And so it's just vulnerably and transparently been a very challenging, like, okay, I need to pace myself with this because again, if I try and accomplish the health journey in 16 weeks, statistically, I'll gain it all back. I'll also feel like crap the whole way. I'll also feel like crap on the other side. So I need to get really comfortable with like this being a longer journey. Me getting out of shape and unhealthy didn't happen overnight and neither will getting back into shape. And so this has just been one that's been a huge lesson for me because it's taught me how important it is to look after your health. And so if you are right now in a season of maybe putting your health on the back burner, I would encourage you to draw a line in the sand right now and say, no more. Do not let yourself go down the path or maybe you have been down the path that I was on, which was putting work first, freaking, you know, slamming energy drinks and getting real, like no sleep, all of all of the bad habits you know that I'm talking about. If you're in a season of, of maybe letting yourself go in that aspect, I wanna challenge you. One of the best things you can obviously do for your soul, but even for your business, is to take your health really, really seriously. And so this has been a, a big challenge for me and one that I'm really excited about focusing on and getting on the other side of, not that you get on the other side of it, but you know what I'm talking about, um, and really take a hold of so I can bring more energy and vibe vibrancy to the work that I do so I can then work as many hours as I want and bring my best to all of those hours. So that's number four. Last but not least, let's talk about money. This is very important. So backstory for me was, as I mentioned earlier in the video, I grew up in a single mother household. Um, I can't say I ever went without. I, there's plenty of toys and extracurricular things that I went without, but in terms of food and shelter and things like that, my mom did amazing. We were balling on a budget, right? <laughs> she, she managed to keep me fed, keep me clothed, keep me looked after, but there was never leftover, right? So there was definitely a poverty mindset that I grew up with. And then bringing that into my 20s, it was really challenging throughout all of our years of pastoring because we were basically just emptying the account every week with rent and with expenses, and we never really got ahead. And the times we did get a, a hit, we might end up with like $1,000 in the account, we would typically give it away. And uh, some of those times were completely kind of divinely inspired and was the right thing. And sometimes it was really stupid and we would just like give it away because we didn't know how to manage it. And so it just felt like the right thing to give it to someone else who we deemed to be more in need than us. And so 
we never learned money management skills and um, it also kept us in a very poor mindset. So flash forward to 2018, then starting to make money, uh, I made $12,000 cash in my first 30 days and I promptly spent it on a trip to a conference in, in the States. But basically those first few years was just like uh, making money and breathing again. I remember feeling so rich because I could then go out to cafe breakfast. That was like my treat at the time. It was like taking myself out to a cafe breakfast. And typically that would be reserved to like once a week, but now I could do it any day I wanted. I felt really rich. And the other one, and you guys will probably laugh at this, I felt really rich when I upgraded all of my underwear to Calvin Klein's. I was like, bro, this, this six-figure business, man, I am making it. And, and there were obviously times of travel and things like that, but I remember those things being really significant. So those first few years were amazing and nothing about those first few years was me focused on like saving or investing. I was just like, dude, I got money. I'm not broke. I'm not struggling to keep my head above the water. This is great. And over the years, we've just increasingly made more and more money. And in many ways, we've just spent more and more money. And so the couple of big things that have been really interesting to me um, over the last few years and kind of like stepping back and observing things is firstly, there is a huge difference between the skill of making money and the skill of managing money. I feel incredibly confident in my skill to make money. I'm really learning how to manage money. For us, we either basically spend our money or give it away. Now, I'm not trying to paint a picture that we have no money. We're actually in a really amazing position. We're on track to buying a villa over here debt-free. It's not as if like we're cashing out <laughs> every time we get paid and we get rid of it all. It's like some of you guys have been watching our profit numbers. You're like, that's insane. No, it's not quite that insane. But what I'm saying is we should be multi-millionaires right now if we had managed our money super well and not traveled so much, but we're not. And the reason we're not is because there are distinctly different skill sets between making money and managing money. Number two, I think for so much of the last few years, I have been trying to rewire my brain to really feel more abundant, not be a scarce person with more money, if that makes sense. Because when you act and think and speak and spend from a place of scarcity, you can do really silly things. Like I had a family member who was in a relationship and they got an inheritance and they were in a like just above poverty line like place, right? They were like barely scraping by, it was really bad. And they got an inheritance from uh, the partner's parent who passed away, they got thousands of dollars. They promptly went out and bought a new car and a drone. And that sounds absurd, but that's how when you think and feel scarcely, you think about money often, is that you don't have the right approach to it. You're not thinking well. And that for me has been a really interesting thing, just trying to rewire my brain over the last few years and really start to approach it better, trying to approach everything with much more wisdom and also kind of like leaning into the fact that not only do I feel like I have great skills when it comes to making money, but I have such a big faith. For me, I would describe that faith being put in God, that he looks after me and that, that I'm not my sole provider, but he provides through my skills and through many different means. And so I need to change and flip the script that I've been thinking about that I'm like scarcity versus abundance. Anyway, I could go down that route. And then the last thing, and this is, this is a big one, is I've really struggled with having a paradigm of actually having money. It sounds funny, but like the idea of making money, I have no problems with. The idea of having a lot of money in the, the bank account feels like greedy to me. I, I don't understand like 
why you would want lots of money in the account. Like why don't you spend it, which is a form of giving it to other people or literally give it away. And this is that thinking that I, I shared about earlier where, where we would have a thousand dollars in the account or $500 in the account and we would give it away. And there was something that's so beautiful about that. It keeps you very open-handed with the resources you have. And it's also incredibly foolish. Like there's an old proverb that says the wise man lays up an inheritance for his children's children. And so there's this level that I haven't yet uh, created a or, or adopted a spiritual paradigm towards money that I'm absolutely trying to think about. And, and so I'm really trying to develop that sense of like, or, or belief around what it means to have money, what it means to be wealthy. The last thing on this is I've realized that actual money goals mean nothing to me. And this has been a real recent development, but like the idea of like becoming a millionaire motivates me 0%. I don't have enough insecurity for it. I don't have enough ego for it. Becoming a millionaire uh, is very uninteresting to me. But buying awesome things that we can use, that other people can use, is very interesting to me. And so, you know, towards the end of this year, we will look to buy a villa here in Bali, then we'll look to build. My point being, I've now figured out what actually motivates me around money because the biggest thing is once my bills were paid, once my cafe breakfasts were paid for, once my Calvin Klein's were in my drawer, I lost a lot of motivation around just making more money. Yeah, travel's amazing and things like that, but I really lost drive to get rich, so to speak. And so I'm trying to recapture some of that drive, not to get rich, but to do amazing things with money because I am in a fortunate and a privileged position. I need to make sure that I am wise with this position. So I know this has been an incredibly random video. I guess my point is looking at these areas, you might be able to relate to them. And if, if you can, I hope that's a gift for you to know that you're not alone in this. Maybe you are benefiting from some of the thinking and approaches that I've, I've talked about in this. But the thing I want to get uh, through to you most is that as Brooke Castillo says, amazing, amazing uh, life coach, she says, our life is always 50-50, right? There is always good and bad. And so I'm in the midst of like some of the best season of business ever. Like I'm making more money than I know what to do with literally, right? <laughs> I'm clearly trying to learn that. And, and life is just so rich and so beautiful. We're here in Bali. We have an incredible time. And yet it's 50-50. It's like there are some incredible things and there are things I'm clearly working through. And I want to encourage you that if you are in a season of 50-50, which 99% of people are, don't think and don't fool yourself into believing that life's going to be 100% good when you hit X amount of revenue or when you hire that new team member. Because when you set yourself up to believe that's what it's gonna be like, you set yourself up for failure because that's not what life is like. And so going back to the, the comment that Lauren sent me, Dan, do you struggle with anything? 100%. And so I hope that this video has given you a sense of peace of mind that if you were in the trenches, whether you're struggling to get clients, whether you're struggling with scale, whether you're scaling too fast and it's overwhelming, I've been there, I'm with you, you're not alone, and that life is always gonna be a balance of the good, the bad, and the ugly. So I'm hoping you're well, I'm sending you love, and I'll see you in another video. Thanks for listening to another episode of Scale School. I hope you found something valuable in today's episode. If you haven't already subscribed, go ahead and do that so you can be notified every time we drop future episodes. And if you and I have not already connected, feel free to track me down on any one of the social media platforms. My big head and smiling face are no doubt gonna be there. And you can just search my name, Dan Bolton, and we can connect there. But thank you again for tuning in and I'll see you in a future episode.